executive perspective behind the business. In this podcast, we bring you insights and perspectives from government leaders and executives around the Beltway and beyond. From Washington Exec, I'm Jenny London. And I'm Ryan Alcorn. We're here today with Rick Danzig. Rick graduated from the Naval Academy and went to the submarine force. After leaving the Navy, Rick spent over 20 years in the GovCon space. He's been an executive in small, mid-tier, and large public companies. He's currently Chief Growth Officer at TerraThink, a mid-tier digital transformation-focused firm. Rick, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you both. This is a great opportunity. I love this podcast idea, and Washington Exec has been uh, a big part of some of the career success I've had just uh, being there with me. Well, we're happy to have you. We are. So let's just dive right into it. I see you went to the Naval Academy. Go Navy. What inspired you to serve, and what are the most valuable lessons you learned during your time at the Academy that you still follow today? Well, uh, what inspired me to serve really goes back to uh, growing up in rural Ohio, lower middle class, you know, just uh, duty on our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were very patriotic, small town, and I really embraced America and, and wanted to serve our country. I wanted to give back for everything that uh, the country was doing for us as a, a family and then as a city and then for largely the country itself and what it's done for the world. So I just wanted to serve. I didn't know how to serve um, until I saw, uh, it was uh, seventh grade, and I was at a crowded airport, lots of people talking, hustle bustle, tension, families with all their their luggage and everything. And all of a sudden, this uh, guy comes off a plane in a long black um, coat with a white scarf and a white hat, and the entire airport went silent and let him go to his mother it parted like the red sea he just went to his mother and everybody stood and watched and i said to my dad who's that and he knew because he grew up in philadelphia with army navy games he knew it was a midshipman from the naval academy he said that's a midshipman from the naval academy and i said well i don't know what that is but that's what i want to be (laughs) so from then i started to learn about the naval academy and it's the only place i applied to wow the only college i even applied to so you know, that, um, that's all comes from Ohio. Go Ohio. Right? I mean, it's a great Ohio. state and really um, glad I grew up there and glad it uh, launched me into the Navy when, to see the world. The follow-up question you just had mm-hmm. was what I learned there. <laughs> well, so what I learned at the Naval Academy is it's not all about you. Yeah. you know, today's youth, and including my own kids, I'm not, I'm not perfect by all means, uh, today's youth grows up thinking you can do anything you want us to do. You can do uh, anything you set your mind to, which is true. I mean, we, this, like I said, this country offers that opportunity, but it's not all about you. And that's what the Naval Academy taught me. Because if you started to stand out and if you started to show up your peers, you were brought down to the team and you were brought down to be the collaborative person because it is ingrained in you at the Naval Academy. You can accomplish way more as a team than you can as an individual. And that, that it follows through to the military service and then all my jobs post-military. Um, you can accomplish way more as a team than you can as an individual. So it's not all about you. Yeah. I think teamwork's very important, especially in government as well. So you did spend some time in the government. What inspired you to take the leap from government to industry, and how did those experiences influence the way you approach business currently at TerraThink? Well, leaving the Navy was a hard decision. I was uh, at the 12-year point, and 
if I'd have gone a day past 12, I would have gone 20, um, really for the retirement. Mm -hmm. But I had two young kids. Uh, I was on submarines. I was leaving for six months at a time, underwater for two months at a time. And it was just a, a lot to bear um, yeah. my, on my wife, uh, myself. And I really felt like uh, it was time to get out and um, branch out beyond going to sea on a submarine. Uh, it was a tough decision, though. Mm -hmm. But as I uh, look back and, and those experiences, in a, in a military environment, you have a different commanding officer every two years or less, actually, because um, they're, tur they're turning over their change of command, you're turning over on your change of command to a different command, and you'll see a lot of leaders in a short period of time, more so than you see in the civilian world, uh, public sector, because um, every year and a half, you're getting somebody new, and you see all the leadership styles, and there are good leaders and there are bad leaders. And what you see from the military is it, you don't have to be a great leader to get things done because there's no attrition. People can't leave. Keep, people can't go to monster.com and get a new job. They have to follow orders or they get in trouble. So being a leader um, takes a skill, and you learn from those different experiences and working for someone what works and what doesn't. And I think I brought that to the, the commercial space because – you have to get the team motivated for other than just following orders, other than just because I'm told and uh, I got a job. So I, that's what I think I've been able to do with those experiences is motivate teams to do more than they might otherwise not have been able to do. Um, so that high, highly motivated team and high performance is something I strive for. It's hard to do, and I think uh, those experiences help me. So currently you are Chief Growth Officer at TerraThink. What is your strategy for next fiscal year? Well, uh, strategy isn't something that's ephemeral. You, it doesn't change all the time. Uh, a strategy isn't a strategy of every quarter it's different, right? So uh, my strategy isn't something I, I'm, that's complex. It's something that's consistently helped me throughout my career. And that's really to mature all aspects of the business um, incrementally, across all aspects of the business, and over time, you become a phenomenal organization. So that, that means uh, focus on the efforts that you need to focus on. Don't get distracted by the latest shiny object. Uh, mature the, the technical processes, the, the business pipeline, your customer relationships, all of your accounts. If you can just keep making incremental progress across the board, you're going to be phenomenally successful. And that's what we're doing at TerraThink. Um, and we communicate that very simply across our teams. And our teams are responding, and we're growing through this um, you know, fairly tough market this year. What would your greatest challenge be as Chief Growth Officer at TerraThink? What are some common things that you run into? Well, understanding where to put your investment. Because every company has some amount of discretionary funds that they can use to invest. And knowing where to put it and how best to get the return on it is always a tough challenge. Because there's, you could read um, the latest newspaper clippings and, and Silicon Valley technology items, and you think, oh, gosh, I want to put money on that. I want to put money on that. 
But when you consider all the different aspects of how to make that successful for you and your company in the GovCon space, there's a lot more dynamics than just picking something that sounds good. So as a chief growth officer, getting it right with what we want to invest in, but then also making sure all the backup, all the infrastructure around it and the logistics around it support the growth. That's, that's an ongoing challenge. So you're not a day trader. You know, you're looking for right. long-term results. Well, and long-term results that um, y- you have to have a plan that's more than just picking it, right? It's got to have – you've got to have the uh, ability to get past performance. You've got to have vehicles that you can go win deals on, partners you may need for, um, to, to win a bigger deal. I mean, all those things come into play. You can't just say, I'm going to put 500000 on this and it's going to work. So you've had a career spanning the military, startup, small, mid-tier, and large public companies. What do you find to be consistent across all these different entities? Well, they're all hard and they're all easy for different reasons. Um, but there's one thing that is consistent across any of those is growth solves all problems. And you think, what do you, what, it's military growth. What do you mean military growth? Well, growth for the individual is also growth. So part of your challenge as a military officer is to grow your uh, personnel, uh, both in skills and experiences, and make them better at what they do. So if you can grow them, your team is stronger, better, faster, and you're going to excel. In the public sector, um, private sector, you certainly growth solves all problems. Your attrition goes down, your morale goes up, your target and revenue numbers go up. So... Across any organization, growth solves all problems, and that's why I like being chief growth officer, because I feel you know that's on my shoulders. Uh, I want to sh- I want to take on that burden. I want to help grow our people. I want to help grow our business because I know how important it is. So, would you find those human relationships and connections helpful to your job? Absolutely, and I and I give JD a lot of credit. He's he's a part of nurturing those relationships. And I've been um, with him for 10 years, and I've, I've, I think it's great what he does. Um, building the network of people that you, you now know more than just a transactional level. You know them because you've seen them uh, over and over, and you've gone to events with them, and, and you've built a, um, a relationship that you, you're, you're essentially your friends. You're not just um, colleagues. So I really do appreciate J.D. doing that. Um, and that is a big part of what I would say the small and the mid-tier companies provide. You really get a close-knit organization, and you get to make the decisions for each other that, that impact each other for each other, and you're not always you know, dictated by that bottom line, somebody coming in and saying, hey, you got to make these cuts. So the government contracting world, really fast-paced, things are always changing, Policy affects a lot of industries. So what would you say are the long-term impacts of government shutdowns on the contracting industry? Well, it, it's definitely still impacting us. And people might not think that. I mean, shutdown was over in February. But there was also, you know, almost son of shutdown because there was about a three-week period where we thought there might be another one. So in that three-week period, nothing got done because everybody was planning for the potential next shutdown. And by the time they realize they actually do have a full budget, you know, it's March. Yeah. So 
the government contracting uh, community, I mean, you got to feel for them. They, they were way behind at that point. They have all these things that have been queued up. There's been no budget. There's been nobody there to work with to get the procurements out. So as a result, and, and there's no, this isn't finger pointing. It's just the reality of what happened. They go to the path of least resistance where they're going to extend contracts instead of recompeting them. They're going to um, do sole sources because it's easier uh, for this period of time that's what they have to do to get things done, to get their action item list down to a manageable level. So for this whole year, you don't have those new procurements coming out. So if you were a company coming into the year with a lot of recompetes, hey, you're probably doing all right, yeah. right? They're extending you and you didn't have to spend the BNP. Um, but if you were planning on having new business as part of your whatever your growth targets would be, um, you've you got to figure out how to make that work because those procurements are just now starting to come out. And if they're just now starting to come out, they're not getting awarded with revenue on them until 2020. Right. So that's, that's the impact of the shutdown is you're going to see, and I'm going to be very interested to see what the, the analyst calls for the large public companies that have to um, announce earnings and whatnot um, are going to be for this Q2. Um, see how the revenue line is i mean if they're if they're up in revenue my bet is they either had a lot of recompetes or they bought a company <laughs> so because winning a new business didn't grow that revenue you'll see us writing about those yeah <laughs> right. so you're known for being a big family man how did you stay grounded in this fast-paced industry what advice would you have for someone struggling to balance this personal and professional lifestyle well, when I was uh, when I was single, I didn't really have a balance. I, I was underwater for three years of my life in that period. So, um, you know, it really since then the balance between personal and professional. I have to give a lot of credit to my wife, Jill. She she is a big part of why I was able to you know, be at certain places and not have to worry about things because she always had me covered and it was, it was great. The two of us as a partnership have just, it's been great. Um, and not everybody has that, um, not everybody has that luxury. You know, I'm so glad that I do. So what I would tell people to balance that personal and professional is um, a couple things. Don't make your happiness a factor of your title and size of your organization because you will forever be unhappy because there's another title. There's another organization that's bigger. Your happiness has to be grounded on something that is fulfilling, satisfying, and is not work-related because when, eventually you'll retire, and if your entire happiness is built on your work, you're, you're going to be lost. Right. So, um, I, for example, some people certainly turn to charitable organizations. Some people turn to church and other organizations or just their own. You know, I picked up the guitar. I, I play golf. I mean, do things that make you happy that are completely unrelated to work. Um, and you'll find that balance happens because you'll find time to do those things. I mean, some people work out like fiends. I, I wish I could do, I did that. That, that would be great. But um, that's one piece of advice. Happiness is not work-related. 
Um, and never, never allow yourself to be stuck in a position because you're tied to the paycheck. And that's, that's a steep ask because some people get paid very well in the roles they're in. And, but, and walking away from it would be a big negative. So it's hard. But don't be in a position where you're miserable and the only reason you're going to work is because that check comes in. So, so plan to be able to diversify yourself. Always be learning. Always be getting new skills. Make yourself marketable beyond um, your current role. Not because you want to leave that, that role. But if you ever get into a position where your manager changed and you just aren't happy, be in your own, take care, um, control of your own career and, and move. So. Would you say that someone's happiness in their work affects the way they work? Oh, absolutely. Um, you, that's why one of, one of my paradigms for teams is put people where their strengths are. Because if, they, if they're put in a, where their strengths are, they know they're better than other people. They know that they're getting it done well, and they're excited about it, and they, and they can take pride in that, and they're happier about that, and they're fulfilled and satisfied. And they'll, do, they'll work longer. They'll work harder because they know they're better. If you, if you make the mistake, and I've done it, make the mistake of wanting to get someone more well-rounded and you put them in a role that is not their strength because you want them to learn, that stresses them out. Because they now are not in the position where they're better than someone because they need to learn. And, that's, and there's someone better than me that's, that I need to learn from. And am I doing it well enough? He isn't telling me I'm doing it well enough. And it just starts to snowball that you're stressed out. And the next thing you know, you're on monster.com looking for a job. So put people where their strengths are because they're going to be happier and they're going to be more fulfilled. If you need to broaden them, send them to training. Don't make their job a whole new entity. So, so play to your streams and go where you're happy? Yes. Good advice for leaders as well. Well, you definitely learn that um, throughout the years because you see it all. You see people who are excelling because they're doing exactly what they want to be doing. And you see people that uh, would rather be, you know, with a client, but they're sitting there in their cube on a spreadsheet. And, uh, you know, definitely um, got to keep your eye on that, too. You, you can't be disconnected from the team that you're, you're with or you'll find that uh, they're disconnected from you. And they, and they leave. Yeah. Right. If you could go back and give your 25-year-old self professional advice, what would it be? I was, I was a hard charger at 25. I was just trying to accomplish anything that was in front of me. And I didn't give a lot of emphasis on the people. Not that I ignored them or mean, or I, it's just the, the people side of it, especially on a nuclear submarine, isn't, doesn't seem to be that big a deal, right? Uh, but it is because now when I look back and I, I, I wish I was closer to those shipmates of mine. I mean, they're having reunions and I, I barely remember them. Um, so emphasize the network of people, make an effort to, and I, I tell this to all, all my folks now is every week, 
talk to someone inside the company that you don't normally talk to, talk to someone outside the company that you don't normally talk to, and talk to a client. Um, if you do those three sl- small, it could be a text message. Who cares? It could be a Facebook or a, or a LinkedIn message. Connect with them, and over a 25-year career, you will have a lot of people that you can turn to, and they're not thinking you're calling them for, you know, to grease their palm. And you will have, you'll be happier. Because when you're sitting there on your deck um, at your house when you're retired, you're not talking about the project. You're not thinking about wh- what milestone I hit on time, what budget I managed. You're thinking about the people. So if I go back and I was 25, I would do things differently with regard to keeping in touch. Now, back then, you didn't have these social media. That's the best thing about social media is you can actually stay in touch. Um, And I think people should use it to do that. I think that's great advice, making connections, keeping those connections. Nowadays, it's so easy to just send a quick message, so there's no excuse not to. Even if it's family. Mm -hmm. Family is very important. Right. I'm always a family. It's always family first for me. Um, you know, when someone says they, um, you know, they're, somebody's got a doctor appointment or doing something or a soccer game, I'm like, family first. Make it happen. Prioritizing yeah. your human relationships yeah. as opposed to work. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure hearing your insight and your advice. Well, thank you very much. And I look forward to staying in touch with you two and watching exec and watching your careers as you grow. Well, thank you. This has been wonderful. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on Executive Perspective, Behind the Business. Visit our website at www.washingtonexec.com for more content and episodes.